Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Literacy Advocate. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Ana Siquera. She is a Spanish teacher with Florida Virtual School, teaching elementary. She's been a teacher for over 15 years. Uh, she's taught Spanish, she's taught in Brazil, and she's taught kindergarten in a Montessori school. And she also currently has COVID. Ana, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> how's, how's COVID treating you right now? Well, I'm on my day, what, 10, 11, so I'm doing a little better, but yeah, okay. it's, not, it's not fun. You're past the, the worst part thing. of it? Yes, I did. That's good. Uh, mm. do you, did you manage to keep your sense of smell or did you lose it? No, I didn't lose the sense of smell. I have been having nausea, not feeling like eating too much, but besides that, uh, I've been doing okay. Dang, okay. Um, one of my best friends got it and he lost a sense of smell. And as far as I know, it still hasn't come back. And this was oh, a while wow. ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So um, that's, that's a weird, it's so weird. It's We're going to find each, out. Each person has different symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. Each person has, yeah. Um, Anna, there's so many reasons that I could have you on the literacy advocate. Um, you are the, and I didn't mention this in your introduction. You're the author of three children's books. And that's what I really want to talk to you about because, um, what you're doing with kids books, I think is really interesting. Um, and then you've got such a interesting story that I want to ask you about, and it's about one of your books. So, so you, you're the author of three books. Here are the three books. One of them is, uh, Bella's recipe for success. You've got a book that's going to be coming in 2022 called if your babysitter is a bruja, which I have, I'm going to have to ask you about, but before I do that, um, the book that I want to talk about first is, uh, you're the author of El Pato Quiere Ubas, which for uh, anyone who's listening is that song that's on YouTube, the one that's like, mm -hmm. and the duck walked up to the lemonade stand and he said to the man round on the stand, he said, hey, got any grapes? <laughs> if, you, if, you ha if you haven't heard it, uh, guaranteed someone in your classroom, that's probably like one of their favorite YouTube videos. Uh, it's been around forever. It's got like 50 million views or something yes. nuts. Yes. Um, and you're the author of the Spanish version of that kid's book, which I think is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to ask you kind of just how that happened and then just kind of talk about your work. Okay. Well, I was teaching at a private school called... Um, St. Paul's in Clearwater. And the kids were always asking me to create stories because I teach Spanish with stories. So they were asking me to create stories about Chupacabra, this and that. And then one day they said, can you create a story with the duck song? So I watched the duck song <laughs> with them and I really like it. And I said, wow, it is very catchy and the kids really like it. So I create a story and I create activities and we play that and they really love it. We did a lot of effective with that and then later on I said well maybe I can do I can write a book in Spanish using that the Pato Quiere Ubas and so I contact the uh, the songwriter of oh, Bryant I've I have to look at his name. Goodness <laughs> gracious, I forgot. His I looked name. him up too. I can't remember. Yeah, his name Brian Oden. Yeah, he was oh, very nice. Was. Yeah, he was very nice. And he said, Yeah, go ahead. So I wrote the story, I sent to him, and then I've got an, an illustrator for Argentina, Adriana Cifuentes. 
And then I sent to uh, Teachers Discovery. Teachers Discovery is a catalog. They have like a catalog for um, foreign language and uh, I think social studies. So yeah. I sent to them and like in 30 minutes, they said, oh, yeah, we are interested. So it was pretty funny. But then, you know, we went ahead and worked on the book and we, I think it was in July of 2019 that um, they published the book. But that's the story, yeah. And the kids really like that 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 song. Everybody should watch the video. The funny thing that I went to Brazil and everybody in Brazil even know that that song. So yeah, it's very very popular. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. It's so cool that you took a story uh, that like what's what's crazy about you is you didn't. It doesn't seem like you went into this going like I want to be a kids book author. It's more like okay, yeah, if this will help my kids learn English or, or, or sorry, if this will help my kids learn Spanish, uh, then yes, this should be a kid's book. <laughs> Has that bled into you um, actually pursuing being a kid's book author like more seriously? Yes, yes, because I do have a book published in Brazil. I did have uh, two books published in Brazil a long, long, long time ago. So what happened is that I, I stopped writing stories and I, you know, I got busy with life, kids, school, all that stuff. So then after I wrote that book, El Pato Quereubas, that's when I got inspired and I said, well, maybe I'll go back to writing uh, picture books, children's books. And that's when I started also in 2019. I started like doing webinars and relearning how to write the stories because it's a very different market now. And yeah, so that's when it, everything started too. With El Pato Quere Uvas, I got inspired to keep going. Yeah, right. I love that. Tell me about, tell me as much as you can about if your babysitter is a bruja. Okay, if a babysitter is a bruja, it's coming 2022. The cool things, the illustrator is also Brazilian, Irena Freitas. And uh, bruja means a witch. Wait so a second. This... Is that the same illustrator that did... Um, I'm trying to think. I think I've seen that name before. I could be way wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to look her up while you're talking. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. What's her, what's her name again? It's what? Irena Freitas. Yes, I know she did some other books, but I don't remember the names of her other books. So this uh, babysitter is basically like a girl who has a new babysitter. She thinks her babysitter might be a witch, you know, so it's pretty fun and um, it's still like on the second person. So she's telling like, if you have a babysitter and if she's a witch, you should do this, you should do that. And kind of trying to show the kids what they should do to avoid the witch. But in the end, of course, um, she will discover some secrets about the witch that is not okay. as bad as she thought it would be. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I'm looking at this illustrator's work and no, it's not who I thought it who I thought it was, yeah. but her work is beautiful. She is. She's really good. And the other book that I have is the, uh, the Bayes Recipe for Success. That is coming July 2021. And That's tell me a, about that book. What can you tell me? This book is about a girl. It is kind of inspired my daughter because my daughter was a, uh, always very gifted, but she would kind of give up 
she would try to do something if she was not one of the best she would give up you know she would mm -hmm. do gymnastic oh i'm not one of the best i have to give up because she thought she had to be the best in everything so bay is kind of like that she wants to be the best in something but she quits everything yeah. until she discovers for you to be good at something you have to keep on trying keep making mistakes so it is a lot about growth mindset and you know making mistakes trying again and persevering yeah i love it anna i'm going to ask you some questions about you as a writer because i want to cross post this episode both to the literacy advocate and my other podcast writing better so uh my first question for you is um when did you know that you wanted to be a writer well, I always was very creative when I was a little kid. I would tell like stories. My mom said that I would be like two hours telling her a story. <laughs> she would get tired. <laughs> and then uh, when I was uh, much younger, maybe 25, 24, 25, I wrote my books in Brazil. So that's when I got my books published there. But then, as I said, I came back here and I decided, you know, life took over a lot of things going on and I stopped writing. But I think I always loved telling stories and being very creative since I was a little kid. And I love yeah. writing stories, but my teachers would say that my stories were too confusing because <laughs> they were too long. <laughs> okay. Do you struggle still with making your stories too long? Sometimes, yes. Normally, like the first time, like my first draft would be like 1500 words. And then, you yeah. know, you know, that picture books normally 500 words. So I would have to cut and cut and cut and go through a critique partners and they will help me because yeah. Yeah, I have that tendency of having me too. too long. I, yeah. It was never a problem for me in college to fill papers. Yeah. I, you give me a paper that needs to be, you know, a 3000 words and I'm going to make it 6000 words and not not on purpose. And uh, yeah, um, and I'm like that as a kids book author too. I mean, my goodness, Billy the Dragon was 2000 words when I wrote it at first. Yeah. And then uh, like a picture book for second graders, it's 2000 words. <laughs> that was a problem. It's it not 2000 yeah. words anymore. Now it's like, I think 900, which is still pretty high. Yeah, yeah, you have to Keep cutting, keep cutting, getting to the point. <laughs> Every once to in the a while. Point. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll read it to a group of kids and be like, that section didn't need to be there. And then I go in and cut it and update yeah. it so that future purchasers are getting the, the new shorter version. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> what is uh what is your favorite thing that you've ever written? The favorite thing I ever read? I don't know. I like I like other stories I write. I really like El Pato. I think it was very uh, fun for the kids. The kids really enjoyed that book. And I don't know. I like uh, right now. I'm really in love with all my stories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky that I really enjoy Bella. It's coming up, and I saw the illustrations, and I'm really loving it. It's uh, illustrated by Geraldine Rodriguez. She's from Mexico. Yeah. Um, and uh, The Bruja is also a very fun book. And I have another one that I cannot announce yet, but it's very special to my heart because it's inspired my mom. My mom <coughs> died October last year. And that's when I wrote that story and inspired her relationship with my younger son that they used to play superheroes. Aww. So that one is a very special to my heart, but that one I cannot announce yet. Okay. But I'm okay. working on, on that one now. 
Um, if you were to ask, if, if I were to ask your students or maybe one of your good friends who's read your work, likes your work, what would they say your writing superpower is? Something about writing that you're particularly good at? Well, my critique partners, because I work with a lot of critique partners, they say that I have a lot, of, I put a lot of heart in my stories and a lot of humor, humor and heart. I, I try to work with both. Then. What's your recipe for humor? Like, how do you develop more funny stuff into your work? I, as I said, I, I'm really lucky that I work with a lot of critique partners and they are all fantastic. So I start the story, I put a little bit of humor, but I always ask them, can you guys give me more advice, more suggestions? And they give me more suggestions and I end up putting more humor as I get more advice. Where'd but your critique I think partners come from? Um, well, like... I kind of created that group called Las Chicas Latinas. Okay. And we were um, in that uh, 12 by 12. Do you know 12 by 12? Julie What's Headland. 12 by 12? 12 by 12, uh, Julie Headland. It's like a community. Uh, you you pay like a, an annual fee, but you are part of a community and you have a lot of forums and webinars and things that you can uh, get together with other writers. And then I would get to know a writer. A writer would, uh, you have like a forum where you put your uh, story and people critique. And then, you know, I would say, oh, I like that, the way that the girl critique, or I like her story. You know, we, we would get, and then I said, do you want to be part of my group and then we started uh, making groups you know and, and getting together now we are nine chicas latinas that's awesome um but i also have other groups so i'm always involved i like twitter the writing community pb chat or um yeah 12 by yeah. 12 or storytellers what's, a, what's mm -hmm. a um like a framework or a methodology that you've either discovered, developed, or someone taught you that you use a lot when you write? I try now to outline. Before I use just, I would just do my draft without outline. And now I've been uh, trying to outline more like, what is really the main problem? You know, what is your story really about? Because that's the thing, you can put a lot of action, but if you don't know what's the theme and what is the story really about. So first I try to pitch the story to myself, to write a pitch and I said, it's gonna be about this and uh, what's gonna happen. I normally, my structure is very a traditional structure like the three trials, three fails, and then a success, you know. Mm. Uh, also, I use uh, Joyce Sweeney. She has the plot clock. And Ooh, I like the plot, plot clock. The Haven't plot clock, it. yes. And it's really good because instead of say three acts, it's four acts. So like when you finally say, okay, now the third act that they should just say, okay, now it's the solution. There will be one little extra problem and then the solution. So okay. I, I, yeah, I use the plot like clock that. a lot. I like that. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a thing that I really like, and I've heard it called different things. Um, so I don't know what the actual correct definition or what ter uh, term for it is. I've heard it called the um, false defeat. It's like the when the hero, it, everything looks like they're going to win. And then it fails and it fails so horribly that it's like mm -hmm. hope is lost. And the, you, yeah. just before the final success is the false uh -huh. defeat. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the terminology is for it, but I've really tried to think about it a lot in my writing. 
It's like, yes. how could I make this? How could I make this all sort of lead towards something that is going to fail miserably? Yes, yes. I call the dark moment. I don't know. So it's really okay. a dark moment that, it, yeah, like he's losing hope and doesn't feel like anything is going to be solved, but something will trigger the the main character to solve the problem. I love it. What has been something that you feel like you've really gotten a handle on, really started to understand about writing for your particular audience? So the, the people that you're writing for, I would guess kids uh, from kindergarten to second grade, probably like what's something that you feel like you've really gotten a handle on about how to write for them? Oh, you know, I, I teach that that age and they love humor, they love to laugh, they love uh, funny things like very silly. Yes. I don't use a lot of potty or something like that, but I try What's to your use reservation? very silly. What's your reservation about potty humor? I don't know, it's just not me. I don't have a reservation. My grandson is six and he loves it and I read books to, for him about it, but yeah. it's not me. It's not, it doesn't come nat natural to me. Oh, it comes really. right out of me. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> and yeah, uh, and I've had I've had par I've had parents that kind of get bothered by it, and uh, or just oh, uh, no. I know some adults that kind of get bothered by it, and I I know some artists that are kind of like they think it's beneath them, like oh if you resort to potty humor you're like reaching oh, from no. the bottom shelf. And I'm just like, guys, it works. Like, it's what no, they the want. Kid, they love it. They love it. My grandson <laughs> like, loves it. Yeah. You know, have you Captain ever read the Underpants. Book? Yeah. Captain <laughs> have have you ever read the book, Whose Poop Is That? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> this is my go-to. If I'm about uh, to read for an audience for the first time, um, and, and it's not one of my books, it's somebody else's book. Uh, my, one of my favorite go-tos is whose poop is that? Because it doesn't matter what age they are. They're going to love that book. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's just imagine. a showcase of a pile of poop with the question, uh -huh. whose poop is that? And then it describes <laughs> the digestive system of that animal. And you turn the page and it tells you what animal it is. <laughs> I know they will love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is the latest thing that you did uh, to try to break through writer's block that worked for you? Um, well, I try to always write one manuscript a month. Interesting. That's my thing, yes. Okay. No matter what, no matter if I have a good idea, bad idea. So what I try to do is like, I come up with an idea, I try to outline the idea, and I write it. Sometimes yeah. after I write, I say, oh, it's, no, I don't like it, and I'm not going to follow through. But I try to write one, uh, one manuscript a month. That way I keep, you know, my, my ideas coming and... Um, yeah my writing getting better keep yeah. practicing so yeah. i i try to do that but i did have I like some that tough i try months. to write four to eight manuscripts a month wow um that is a lot that's, i i dedicate every single morning to it oh that's great that's and it's just and they're probably you know the majority of them are terrible but I just uh -huh. figured that with each one, I'm going to learn something a little you bit. You learn something. It's not, <laughs> never a waste of time because you always learn. And my stuff. goal always is like at the very least, can I make sure that every manuscript has something in it that the kids are going to like really laugh at? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, Anna, this has been really a uh, great conversation. Um, for those listening on The Literacy Advocate, this along with a whole bunch of other 
writer conversations are posted on my other podcast, uh, Writing Better. I post some of them. Some of those interviews happen here on the Literacy Advocate, but there's a lot more that are going on writing better than just this mm -hmm. call and the other ones that I've posted here. So if you're listening on the Literacy Advocate, please, and you're interested in writing the craft of writing and getting better along with me and the people that I've interviewed at writing, uh, go check that out. Go to, go, go to your podcast player and search writing better. Um, and if you're listening to this on writing better, and you're passionate about, um, you know, on the Literacy Advocate, one of the things that usually becomes the podcast episode is I ask teachers, what's a commonly held belief in literacy education that you passionately disagree with? So if that sounds like a stimulating conversation for you, I would highly recommend that you go over to the Literacy Advocate and check out my other show. Anna, thank you so much for being on. How would you like listeners to connect with you? Well, um, they can connect me with me by Twitter. If my Twitter, <laughs> I dove hard my Twitter because it's Senora, but like in Spanish, so S R A, then uh -huh. Siqueira, S I Q U E I R A, thirteen oh seven. So Senora Siqueira, because that's how the kids call me in Spanish, thirteen oh seven. But anyway, they can go easier is to go to my uh, website, anafiction.com. That's Love very it. easy and they can find my information, my Twitter, my books, everything on anafiction.com. It's been wonderful talking to you, Anna. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you so much for the interview. It was fun.